Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am your host, Armand Lee, and thank you so much for listening to the 40th episode. That's right. It's been 40 episodes. It's gone by so fast. But thank you all for listening. The 40th episode of the Quarterly Report. For all you all who've started with me from day one, I appreciate you so much. And if this is your first time listening to the pod, welcome. I hope you enjoy. If you do, I hope you go back and listen to the first 39 episodes, all right? On this week's episode... My cousin, Sadiq Abdul, makes his monthly appearance, okay? Bill Simmons has his cousin, Sal. I got my cousin, Deke. You understand? We're going to talk about a wide variety of topics, so you're not going to want to miss that. Plus, should you build an NFL team with a quarterback or a strong defense? That question has come up in recent uh, days because of the conference championship games. I'm going to give you my opinion, and if you've listened to the show in the past, you probably already know where I'm leaning, but I may throw a surprise your way. So make sure you listen to that in the fourth quarter. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. Last week, you know, Brian Mitchell came on the show and it was really dope because, you know, he talked about his kind of um, his quest, uh, if you will, to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame and some of the problems that the voting process for that prestigious award, you know, some of the, the the pitfalls that comes with it, some of the things that Heath views, I think we all do as a negative with the entire process. And, you know, that obviously is something special when it comes to B-Mitch, but it's special for, you know, any football fan, really. And me, particularly, because one of my favorite football players of all time is Tara Owens. Uh, I know you guys, he seems to be polarizing, but if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you guys know I I don't take my sports as serious as many others do. Maybe some of you listening. I thought T.O. was fun, man. I had fun watching T.O. play. My dad was a Cowboys fan, God bless the dad. And I remember when T.O. ran to the star and, like, looked up into the, the roof, you know. I thought that Jay was funny. Sean Springs is a dude I know super cool with, man. Got, you know, had some really fun conversations with Sean over the years. When T.O. did the uh, pull the Sharpie out, I busted out laughing. Like, that joint was fun. Yeah, he was a jerk. You know, he was a jerk. But he never got himself in any type of really problematic situations. You know, you never heard about T.O. Uh, putting his hands on a woman. Never heard about T.O., uh, you know, doing anything crazy. So the only thing that happened with T.O., like, he didn't like Donovan. And I think if we're going to be honest, right, while you may not like the method that he went after Donovan with, uh, he had some violent points. Donovan threw up in the Super Bowl. T.O. is playing with a with a with uh, uh, an injured foot. He had to sign a waiver to play. Balls his ass off, and Donovan, with a chance to score the game-winning drive, throws up if he gets the place. And then after that, people aren't going to give T.O. a long-term contract. And he was like, yo, I'm not the one who threw up. I'm not the one who forgot the plays. Yo, I think, like, we got to be, we have to, if you interview an athlete after a big-time game, let alone a regular game, you got to understand that there's going to be some, 
emotions are going to run high. Then you add millions of dollars to the equation. He was being honest. He was being honest. You understand? Uh, you may have issues with, I mean, he obviously was inappropriate with how he, uh, you know, questioned Jeff Garcia's sexuality back in the day. So, yeah, he did some real jerk behaviors. I'm not going to defend all of them. But when he was on the field, that boy was a problem, right? And now we have an interesting dynamic where Randy Moss is up for the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I'm not going to do tit for tat in terms of off the field issues, okay? But, you know, Randy's off the field issues, in my opinion, were far greater, far significant than T.O.'s. But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because, again, if we're going to judge these players by their character, you're going to have to clean out a lot, a lot of that Hall of Fame already, including some guys who are up for, you know, who are pretty sure are going to be first battle Hall of Famers this year, right? Look at some of the guys in this incoming class. I ain't got to even say any names, okay? But if we're going to talk about character, a lot of them Batman's can't get in either. But I want to just stay focused on the field because the best two wide receivers of like this past era. We all understand Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is clearly the best wide receivers of all wide receiver of all time. But in my opinion, two and three are both T.O. and Randy Moss. But I want to talk about who is better. Because I hear everybody talk about Randy Moss being a shoo-in to the Hall of Fame this upcoming class. And I have no problem with that on its face. Randy Moss clearly was deserving of a Hall of Fame, a first ballot Hall of Fame, you know, induction. He was amazing. But, and I don't think this is a high take. I had a high take of the week last week. I'm not going to do it back-to-back weeks. I don't necessarily feel this is a, it, it's only a high take because it's probably contrarian, but I genuinely feel this way, and I've always felt this way. I think T.O. was the better player. Now, hear me when I say this. Because I know y'all Bamas right now yelling at the radio or your yeah, yeah, your phone or your eye, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, your iPod, if you even still have an iPod, it's not an iPhone. <laughs> right. Let me explain. Because I know y'all Bamas yelling at me right now. I always draw the distinction. And it happens more times with me when I'm talking about NBA players. Because obviously I love the NBA more, right? And NBA debates are, are more fun, in my opinion, because there's just so many different ways to debate how well or how strong a player is. But with football, when they do come up, it's usually either quarterbacks, cornerbacks, or wideouts. You know, running backs from time to time, too. But we need to draw the distinction between talent and productivity. Randy Moss easily, easily is the more talented player. He was drafted in the first round. He, if it wasn't for some, some off the field issues in college, right? He would have been like a top three pick. Where T.O., I think J.J. Stokes was drafted before T.O. in the same draft to the same team, the 49ers, right? T.O. went to some small school. You know, T.O. is not talented on the same level. Obviously, he's talented. I don't want to make it seem like a professional football player who is deserving to have been a first ballot Hall of Famer isn't talented. Of course he is. But Randy Moss's talent, Randy Moss was more talented than Jerry Rice, okay? 
Randy Moss got on the field and was just amazing. His his hands, his speed, his size, his athleticism. It's just and you do a creative player, right? And you can't have nines on every single thing. Randy Moss somehow had nines on all of those those attributes that I just named, like height, athleticism, hands, and speed. But the problem with Randy was he didn't play as hard as all the time. You know what I'm saying? And I gotta I gotta take that into consideration when I talk about how great someone's career is. To if you imagine To's like talent as an orange, right? He squeezed every last drop of that orange, everything that To could have been. He got it out of himself, right? He maximized his God-given talents to the best of his abilities. Like there was no drop, there was no juice left in that orange of T.O.'s talent. You know what I'm saying? He squeezed all of that out, and he turned himself into one of the greatest, in my opinion, the second greatest wide receiver of all of all time. Whereas Randy, you could get like probably three, four more cups of orange juice. Randy was just so he was just gifted. He was just blessed with so much talent. He didn't even have to maximize his ability. And because of that, right, I, I actually reward the guy who got all of everything he could have gotten out of himself. I reward that when the numbers, when the talent were as close as it is. It'd be different. Like, I wouldn't, like, you know, Randy Moss, I'm not comparing Randy Moss to someone like Andre Reed. You know what I mean? No disrespect to Andre Reed. Andre Reed also maximized himself. But Randy Moss was just so much better than Andre Reed. You understand what I'm saying? So I wouldn't reward the guy who gets all of himself or gets all the talent out of himself when there's such a wide gap of productivity, of, you know, talent. Okay? When the career, the, there's just such a big gap in terms of, how successful those careers were. But when T.O. and Randy Moss, when you look at their careers and when you look at their numbers, they're so close. Then, yeah, it's how, you know, you split hairs. And I and I reward the guy who maximized his talents. Like, T.O. blocked his ass off. Did Randy? No. T.O. ran over the middle countless times. Like, many of his touchdowns came from fighting over the middle, breaking tackles. Randy was just better than ever. He just was fast. And he would just beat all your guys down the field. Even when you knew it was coming. He was unstoppable from that rest. But from that in that aspect. But Randy was also his biggest enemy because he stopped himself. Because he didn't go hard every single time. And I'm not just picking on Randy Moss when I think like that. That's how I am with everything. Especially in athletics, right? Again, Randy Moss was far more talented than T.O. I'm not questioning that. But because they were so close in production, I reward the guy who gave it his all all the time, who maximized every bit of, you know, talent that he could. And I do that in basketball. Tim Duncan and Shaquille O'Neal is the perfect example. Shaquille O'Neal was far more talented than Tim Duncan. Like Shaquille O'Neal at his best was better than Tim Duncan at his best. The problem was Shaq didn't play at his best all the time. You understand? So there were years, months, games. I mean, you saw it with Shaq's conditioning. Where Shaq would get these little small foot injuries because he was playing 20, sometimes 30 pounds overweight. It wasn't like, you know, Tim Duncan was this physical, 
you know, specimen. You know, he's just this, this guy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Look a little goofy. But Tim Duncan maximized his ability, and he played at his highest longer. So because Shaq and Tim Duncan's careers are so close, and although Shaq at his best is better than Tim Duncan at his best, Shaq is more, more skilled, more talented, I think Tim Duncan is the better player. And I'm like that all around. I mean, I'm like that all around the board. Andre Ward isn't the strongest fighter. He's by he's not even close to being the fastest fighter. But he worked his ass off more than some of his contemporaries. Gennady Golovkin is a stronger puncher than Andre Ward. Gennady Golovkin's faster than Andre Ward. Andre Ward's the better boxer. He maximized everything he had. And, you know, it's not even just with Golovkin. I mean, you can put Andre Ward up against, you know, contemporaries of this generation. Andre Ward, again, is not one of the fastest or the strongest, but he worked his ass off. He got everything he possibly could out of his situation. And I would always, no matter the sport, no matter the players, I reward the guy when it's close, the guy who did the most, the guy whose arsenal is the deepest, the guy who gave it his all, didn't take the plays off. Not to speak in cliches. So when you hear people talk about this upcoming Hall of Fame class and they, they speak as if Randy Moss is a shoo-in, which he should be, okay? Even when you want to factor in the off-the-field issues, right? I Like that stuff doesn't bother me to the degree it bothers a, a lot of other people, only because the precedent has already been set. You've got guys who've beat women, guys who did drugs. Hell, right? Didn't Randy Moss hit a, a, a woman police officer with his car door? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, he didn't do it like, I'm actually, you know, I'm not going to defend that. You know what I'm saying? But Randy Moss, even in spite of all those things, should be absolutely be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But the fact that this is what T.O.'s third year, I want to say, of eligibility, and we just kind of gloss over the fact that, you know, yeah, Randy Moss should be a first ballot and T.O. won't get in this year, may not get in next year. I'm thinking, yo, what are we talking about? You understand? Their careers are so similar in terms of how they started. They both played with one great, one great quarterback, Steve Young early in T.O.'s career, uh, Tom Brady later on in Randy Moss's career. And they, they bounced around a lot of teams. But T.O. didn't quit the way Randy quit in Oakland. T.O. was getting like seven, eight touchdowns with Trent Trent William Trent Edwards in Buffalo as his quarterback. Like you look at some of the quarterbacks T.O. had, you know, you know. And I'm not saying that Randy Moss always had Tom Brady because he didn't either. But he made quarterbacks better, just like T.O. did. They both went to one Super Bowl. They both had a chance to win the Super Bowl, right? It just didn't. It didn't happen. Their careers are so similar, and the fact that T.O. has been punished. For his off the field issues, where it seems like it's a foregone conclusion that Randy Moss is going to get in without any hesitation, as he should, mind you. I have no problem with Randy Moss being a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I do have a problem with people just saying that, yo, Randy Moss was just so much better than T.O. because he wasn't. And in my opinion, I think T.O. was better. Later on in the show, I'm going to have my cousin weigh in to see if he agrees with me on that take or if I'm tripping. I'm assuming that a lot of you guys think I'm. I'm bugging a little bit when I say that. If you want to let me know I'm crazy or if you agree with my argument, 
Make sure you email us at the show. We're at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. You can let me know your take on my take on T.O. versus Randy Moss or any other subject that you want to discuss. We're going to get to stoppage time later in the show. You can also tweet at me. Tweet your opinions about my, about my takes on the show or some topics that you want to hear me discuss. You can do all that. Tweet at me at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. And you can also follow the show on Instagram. We're on Instagram as well at quarterly report. So there's a lot of ways you can get in contact with me. Let your voice be heard about my takes or what you want to hear me talk about on upcoming episodes of the quarterly report. All right, guys, that was the first quarter. We're going to step away from football for a second and talk some basketball next for our second topic this week. Second quarter. Y'all know I love the NBA, man. I try to keep up with the whole league. But, you know, I'm a Knicks fan, and uh, I also live outside of D.C. And, you know, a lot of the national games that come on, you know, you got to kind of stay up with the Golden States and the Clevelands, Bostons, Houstons, etc. So, you know, there's certain teams that can kind of slip through the cracks, you know what I mean? Kind of go under the radar, especially, you know, around the early to halfway point of the NBA season. Now, I bring all of this up because, like, you know, I guess probably two weeks ago, um, one of my homeboys, shout out to my guy Keith, he sends a text and he's like, yo, Armand, man, you got to talk about the Miami Heat. He's a Florida boy, you know, Dade County, shout out to y'all. <laughs> uh, you know what? Shout out to, to Keith's little one, too. It should be coming soon. You know what I mean? We got a, a, a new Macintosh coming. So, you know, dedicate this show to my man and his little and his family's little man on the way. But back to my point. Um, you know, he, he's telling me, yo, man, you know, you got to check out, I want you to shout out Coach Spo in the Miami Heat. Now, he, Keith's not like one of these fake Heat fans that all of a sudden came out of the woodworks in 2010 and then all got silent in 2014, right? He, like I said, is from Miami and is a Miami fan through and through. So, you know, when he sent me that text, I'm laughing. I'm not even paying attention you know, to the heat. And I'm thinking, oh, man, he just icing because, you know, that's his squad, whatever. Boom, boom. And I didn't really think much of it. Until last week, I look at the standings, and I see Miami's the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, and they're like two and a half games behind Cleveland. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking, yo, how did this happen? All right, now, full disclosure, I'm like the president of the Hassan Whiteside fan club, Okay. I, I love Hassan Whiteside's game. The guy averages 14 points and 11 rebounds in 28 minutes. Okay? And, you know, this isn't the point of this topic, and I'm, I'll get back to my main point shortly. But when it comes to guys like Whiteside and Tyson Chandler, I feel like Tyson Chandler back in his heyday, his prime. You know, guys focus so much on what they can't do that people ignore all of the great things that they do do. You understand? And I'm like, yo, yeah, Hassan Whiteside's not going to average 25 points a game. And, yeah, he chased blocks. But the guy's a monster, okay? He averages like a block and a half and a steal a game in 28 minutes. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like the dude is a, he's one of the best players in the league, and he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. But back to my main point. Another person who doesn't get nearly the credit that they deserve is Eric Spolstra. This guy is a two-time 
NBA champion head coach. Two time. And I think it's time, enough time has passed that we need to go back to the big three era of Miami and reassess what actually transpired, okay? Like, the the the, the quote-unquote decision of LeBron and of Chris Bosh to all join Dwayne Wade in Miami and to form this kind of, like, NWO, rock star basketball team. That decision, that moment was so huge because it had never happened that way before, okay? I think a lot of people forget that when Boston made their big three with KG and Paul Pierce, it wasn't completely through, you know, it wasn't completely through the general manager. It wasn't completely organic through the team drafting and front office decisions. Like KG had a no trade clause and he rejected the trade to Boston initially. People forget this. And the only reason he decided to ultimately go to Boston is because he knew Ray Allen was going to go there as well. So they kind of, they kind of made their own big three as well. But the Miami big three was completely different because LeBron was the best player in the world. And he was going to play with Dwayne Wade, who was the finals MVP. And at that time, coming off of another great year. And then Chris Bosh, everybody thought because he had these 22, 23, and 10 game or seasons in Toronto, everybody thought that he was one of the best players in the league as well. So the, the moment, right, the impact of all three of them going to Miami, it felt bigger and it felt it was big, right? It was, it was a huge game changer in terms of the NBA and free agency. And how we view building teams. And historically, I guess we'll look back at it kind of judging just the impact, right, of all three of those guys. And we'll view them through the prism of, yo, these are three of the game's best players of this era. However, when you actually look at the that those four years of Miami, the Dwayne Wade that we assumed LeBron was joining wasn't the actual Dwayne Wade that we got. You know what I mean? It's difficult. And I'm going to talk about this uh, in the fourth quarter with Peyton Manning and, and that last Super Bowl he won in Denver. But we'll remember that as Peyton Manning, this great player winning two Super Bowls. We won't remember it as that last Super Bowl that Denver won. Peyton Manning was really a bad quarterback, you know? We look at those big three years in Miami with Dwayne Wade as, yo, Dwayne Wade's one of the greatest players of all time. Dwayne Wade may is a maybe top three shooting guard of all time, and he won two more championships with LeBron and Chris Bosh. What we don't remember is all the games, the finals where Dwayne Wade had a negative, had a negative impact in the game and where there were playoff series where you're like, yo, Dwayne Wade's not good, and we witnessed – you know, to, to use another LeBron catchphrase, we witnessed Dwayne Wade's skills erode during those four years, you know? So I think, and Chris Bosh, the way we view Bosh, when Chris Bosh is playing in Toronto and nobody watches the Raptors, you know, and you just look at his box score, you're like, oh man, Chris Bosh, 24 and 11, and the Raptors don't go to the playoffs, you know? And he goes to Miami, we think, yo, we're getting... You know, this this Kevin Garnett type player, you know, or, you know, this superstar Dirk Nowitzki type player. And you realize when you watch him play, 
he didn't get that. He was solid. He sacrificed. But you look at the most recent NBA years, everybody thought if you had three superstars, one guy has to sacrifice significantly. It was like, oh, man, he's got to be the Bosch. But Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, nor Klay Thompson has to be Bosch in Golden State. I mean, well, there's no sacrifice there. You know, we, we've seen that if you're great, there really isn't that much. I mean, you may have to sacrifice some shots, but if you're truly great, you don't score one point in the game seven of the NBA finals like Chris Bosch did. You know, but where I think we don't properly appreciate what LeBron had to do in Miami those four years to get those two championships, like we overestimate or we overstate, excuse me, how great Wade and Bosch were during those four years because of the impact of them all signing in Miami. We kind of take for granted how great LeBron had to play for those two championships. We absolutely take for granted. And myself, I'm speaking to myself here because during that run, I gave Spo no credit. I gave Eric Spolster no credit at all. I'm like, oh, man, he's just a pretty boy. Man, he's a Filipino Pat Riley, man. He's just, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, nah, Joe, I'm not giving him credit. Eric Spolster, buckle your seatbelts because I'm going there. Eric Spolster is a top three coach in this league right now. No question in my mind. The fact that if you look at what Miami did in the second half of their season last year and what they're doing now. And again, I'm the president of the Hassan Whiteside fan club. He plays 28 minutes a game. Other than Hassan Whiteside, what elite player does Miami have on their roster? Think about all the the bad decisions the Heat, from a talent perspective, have made because they didn't want to rebuild, right? Pat Riley is this guy. He's getting up there in age, and he's like, no, we're not rebuilding. We're going to always go for the championship. We're going to always – they always talk about Heat culture. So they traded a pick to get Gordon Dragic. They signed Gordon Dragic to a $100 million contract. Gordon Dragic is a nice player. He's not worth the first-round pick. He damn sure ain't worth $100 million. At the age of 30, when they signed him, they drafted Justice Winslow when Boston was offering all these picks for that, that one spot. Justice Winslow hasn't been special. They signed Kelly Olenek to some crazy contract this past offseason. You know? But for whatever reason, and I know the reason, it's Spo, the Heat are making it work. I mean, look at that team's roster. Honestly. Tyler Johnson had a huge contract in it and it has worked to some degree. The team, if you take the second, the second half of last season and so far the first half of this season, they've been one of the best teams in the NBA. And it goes unnoticed. It really does. And when I say Spo, in my opinion, is a top three head coach, I think we all understand Popovich is number one. But think about some of Eric Spolster's contemporaries, right? Look at Steve Kerr's resume and look at Eric Spolster's. They both have won two championships. They both have had, at the time, we thought great talent. I think we all, if we're going to be honest, Steve Kerr's talent has far, far exceeded the talent that Miami had during their big three run. But obviously they had LeBron. So, you know, they all, I'm not going to try to make it seem like Miami didn't have talent, okay? But Steve Kerr, 
when you think of the top three coaches, you always think of Steve Kerr. Right? And I'm not knocking Steve Kerr. I think Steve Kerr is a great head coach as well. But what has Steve Kerr, what has Steve Kerr done that Eric Spoelstra hasn't? Because Steve Kerr coached a team that went to the playoffs. Like, he, he inherited a team that was a 50-win team. Now, Steve Kerr absolutely made them better. I'm not trying to take anything away from Steve Kerr. Right? But he hasn't done anything that Eric Spoelstra has. has. But we always assume, Kerr, when you think of, if, if, I were, if you were to ask your friend, right? If you're listening to this show, ask your friends who love the NBA. Top three head coaches in the league right now. You're going to get Pop, Kerr, and maybe you get Carlisle. Maybe you get uh, Brad Stevens. Maybe you get Doc Rivers. I don't know. Eric Spolster, in my opinion, is better than all of those guys outside, outside of uh, Pop. You can make a case for Carlisle. You can make a case for Carlisle. But I don't think you're going to hear Carlisle's name in the top three, honestly. And what I'm saying is, Spolster, the last three years, right? And three years ago, they made it to the playoffs. They haven't had great talent on their roster, but they keep on making it. They keep on fighting, and they find a way to produce. They find a way to produce. I'm in the outside of D.C., and all these Wizards fans are going crazy, right? They got John Wall, Bradley Bill. They make it two All-Stars. The Wizards may get two All-Stars, and they don't deserve it. Let me just make that perfectly clear. No disrespect to those Wizards out there. Bradley Bill, I mean, we Otto's not going to make the All-Star team, and that's a discussion for another time. Bradley Bill has played better than John Wall. If one Wizard makes the All-Star team, it, in reality, it should be Otto Porter, right? In the world that we live in, realistically, okay, it needs to be Bradley Bill. But again, that's another topic for another day. But John Wall and Bradley Bill may go to the All-Star game, and Miami may not get one representative. And that speaks to the larger discussion, right? Eric Spolster gets overlooked because we assumed when those big three, that big three in Miami happened, oh, those guys can win by themselves. You just roll them out. But we forget that Chris Bosh completely, I don't know what happened. to Chris, Chris Bosh wasn't as great of a player that, as we thought he was. Dwayne Wade's skills eroded right before our eyes. The bench wasn't nearly as talented as we were led to believe. In the first year, LeBron had some type of emotional crisis where he fell apart during the finals. But they got it back together. LeBron obviously was turning to Superman, but they won two other championships, not just off of LeBron, but off of the defensive principles that Spo installed and that they still have and they still run to this day in Miami. I mean... Do you know Miami starting five off the top of your head? Can you name Miami starting five? And I've already given you Dragic and Whiteside. Can you fill in the other three? Because that team right now is the fourth seed. Better than Giannis in Milwaukee. Better than John and Brad in D.C. You know, we hear about Victor Oladipo all the time now in Indiana. Miami's better than them. We hear about Chris Stops, right? Better than New York. Philly has Embiid and Ben Simmons and trust the process. Miami's better than them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they get no shine. I think it's time that we we scrap that. I honestly feel Eric Spolster's the third best head coach, maybe second in the entire league. 
And not to say, and, and I was one of the people who were critical of him. I was like, oh man, you know, I was like everybody else. Oh man, Spo, man, just get the ball to LeBron. It's all good. You got Ray Allen, just get the ball to boom, boom, boom. Nah. Cause that 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 era, the big three era, is long since passed. And the Heat are still there. Despite Pat Riley trying to swing for the fence every single offseason. Failing every single offseason. Wasting money every single offseason. That team is that team is tough. That team is tough and and Spo, I said it with Yo, right? You squeeze the orange the orange to get every last drop out. Spo does that with his team. They leave nothing on the floor or in the locker room. They put it all out there. And it's time that we start recognizing, not just Heat fans. It's time that we start recognizing as basketball fans. Because his resume is just as good as every other coaches outside of Popovich right now, if not better. All right, guys, you heard the horn. You know what time it is. Means it's halftime, but before we get to halftime this week, it is time now for another edition of Stoppage Time. Stoppage Time again. Every other week, I take emails or tweets from you all who listen, and I try to answer you guys' questions. Or if there's a topic that you want me to talk about that I haven't addressed yet, I try to do all those things. So again, this is Stoppage Time. Uh, again, if you want to email me your thoughts or your questions. You can email me in the show at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. Or you can tweet the show at quarterly show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, show on Twitter. So this week's edition of Stoppage Time, this email comes from Casey. And this person, I don't know. Casey's kind of like a, a unisex name, so I don't know if it's guy or gal, but the fan, I appreciate you, Casey, from Flint, Michigan. I appreciate you listening to the show. Hopefully you tell all your other friends, all the Flintstones out there, you know what I'm saying, to check in Mo Pete and uh, who was my the other dude named, Mateen Cleaves. Shout out to all y'all, man. You know, Tell your friends to check out the show as well. Hopefully you enjoyed it. But Casey's question is, what do you think about LeVar Ball and – Lonzo Ball talking about Luke Walton's losing the locker room for the Lakers. All right. So, Casey, thank you again for your question. Thank you for listening in. Uh, I didn't – I don't know if you got – like, last year, like, LeVar, he just demanded so much attention. And I try not to 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 be the show that talks about LeVar Ball every week. And I think I did all right. You know, there were probably, like, three times last year where – we talked about LeVar. I may have had some fun during a halftime or two, but I didn't really, I felt like I didn't spend that much time on him, right? Because initially when he was pumping up his boy Lonzo and building the brand, he made outlandish comments, right? Silly comments that I didn't even take as anything. You know what I'm saying? I talked about it the first time. I think actually, I think the first angry man, right? The sit your ass down. I think the first one I gave was to LeVar. Cause like all he was doing was just swelling, man. He was, he said he could be Michael Jordan in one-on-one. I didn't believe that. I ain't listen to that. Like, I didn't pay that any attention. I thought that was funny. Because we all know he can't be Michael Jordan one-on-one. You know? He said Lonzo was better than Steph Curry. I didn't pay that any mind either. You know, because maybe Lonzo needs, needs that type of motivation from his father. I think the first time my cousin was on, he spoke to that 
giving a personal example for himself. So as a parent, man, like, you know, your children better than most people. Right. So I'm not going to I, I didn't I didn't feel the need to kind of rip him for saying his son was better than Steph. I was like, yo, you building your son up. That's fine. And you're building your brain up to make some money for your family, man. So I just looked at it like, yo, you swelling again. I tell people I could beat Floyd, not in the boxing match. But if we had a scrap, I think I could beat Floyd. I truly do. I got homeboys who think that they could pull Rihanna. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, and, and you listening, I'm sure you and your friends, when y'all get together, somebody, if not all of y'all, say some wild stuff just because. You know what I'm saying? They're not hurting anybody. Just, you're just having fun. So when Lonzo or, Lev- yeah, LeVar, when LeVar was doing that, speaking reckless like that, I just dismissed it. I thought it was silly. And I thought it was kind of funny how, Everybody got so upset at something that clearly was so silly. But then he started getting problematic. You know, he made the little racist comment about, you know, his uh, when Lonzo was playing in UCLA and the reason they couldn't win is because of Lonzo's white teammates. That was stupid. Then he made, you know, the sexist comment about the woman referee during, I guess, one of his AAU tournaments. And that was stupid as well, you know. Uh, and then you started to see, like, when he's not trying to build up his son, he started being more reckless. It was like he got the taste of the limelight, and that became problematic. And now he made the comment about Luke Walton losing the Lakers' uh, locker room. And he needs to chill, for real. Because even if that's how the locker room feels and i think a lot of them do because you didn't hear it took like almost a week before you heard anybody defend luke walton you know just because you're saying something that may be true doesn't mean it's your truth to speak and lavar has got to got to chill man because now it's not fun it's annoying and i appreciate lavar's kind of vision you know the fact that he wants to chip away at the dynamic, the power dynamic of college and amateurism and paying and getting uh, kids to be paid. I think that's dope. You know, whether you agree that college kids should or shouldn't be paid, I appreciate the the innovation, the vision to chip away at something that we just accept as the rules. So we just accept that as the norm. And he doesn't. He had a vision, the big baller brand shoe. He got two of his sons have their own shoes. And I think that's dope, man. I think that's dope. I think that, you know, the the big baller brand Lithuania League, like he's getting a million plus views to watch a Lithuania basketball league. I think that is dope. I don't necessarily agree with having his two teenage sons play over there as at the expense of, you know, the way we view a, a standard education. But again, I don't know their dynamic. I wouldn't dare speak on what he and his sons and his family do, you know, because I don't know their family. I don't know what's going on, so I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't do that, but from a from an innovative innovation and a business mindset, I think that's dope what he's doing, okay? But he's putting Lonzo in a bad spot, you know, because it, it, it feels as if Lonzo doesn't have control of his daddy. And Lonzo's a grown, like, he's not a grown, he's only 19 years old now, but, yo, he's expected to be his own man. And 
I don't know how much control or how much say he has when it comes to checking his dad because Lonzo has to understand like now that's always going to be your family, but you're going to have to make sure your family understands that this is your work. This is like your work environment. And if you are making it difficult for your work environment, you gotta, you gotta make the change. It's not on LeVar. And you know what, Casey, I'm going to give you a bonus thing, right? Because I've seen a lot of people kind of attack ESPN and Fox and Sports Illustrated and all these other like major outlets for giving LeVar Ball this platform. And even NBA coaches like have tried to boycott ESPN writers for giving the ball, LeVar Ball a platform to criticize Luke Walton. And I think we got to be we got to be honest, okay? We may not like LeVar. Or you may it may be the popular opinion to come out and not like LeVar Ball. I get that. Again, I tried last year not to speak on LeVar Ball every time his name came out because it didn't really interest me. And I was even kind of hesitant to pick this question this week because I didn't want to seem like, oh, I'm, I'm jumping on the LeVar Ball train. But I think this topic actually is interesting, right? We all know fruits and vegetables are healthy, right? A, a diet full of fruits and vegetables are good for you. It's good for your health. It's good for your body, the whole nine. Also, we know that McDonald's is really, really bad for you, really trash. However, many of us go to McDonald's on a regular basis, even though we know it's bad. And many of us don't eat enough fruits and vegetables, even though we know it's really good. So you can't expect ESPN not to feed you, you know, LeVar Ball if that's what you're demanding, Right. You can't expect McDonald's to tell you, nah, you don't want to eat this. Go home and make you some spinach and eat some cantaloupe. No. You understand? It's not ESPN's job to feed you what is good for you if you are asking them or coming to them demanding junk food. Like, if you come, if you go to ESPN.com and read a bunch of LeVar Ball articles, you know, or you listen to to segments on ESPN radio where they talk about LeVar Ball or when First Take talks about or has LeVar Ball on his show and they have the highest ratings of the year, you can't then get mad at them for giving you LeVar Ball. Just like you can't get mad at the drive through clerk for giving you the Big Mac, Big Mac meal and not giving you broccoli. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to take ownership of that. I don't complain about LeVar Ball. You know why? Because when LeVar Ball is on TV, I watch. When they have stories, I watch. Now, all of you don't. And if you don't, that's that's cool. You didn't have the place to complain or be like, man, why do people talk about him so much? But even that question, why do people talk about him so much? We know why they talk about him. Because he generates ratings. He generates clicks. Right? Which ultimately, ultimately means he's providing revenue for all these big media organizations. So instead of questioning ESPN... And CBS and, you know, SB Nation and Bleacher Report and whatever else. You could question us as a sports society. Like, why is it that we like that? But it's the same way with the Kardashians. Like, you know, this is a comparison that's been made over and over again. Don't get mad at E! News for having, like, five different Kardashian television shows. Because there's a market for them. I don't, I don't, watch, them. I don't watch any of them, so the Kardashians don't bother me, right? Because they're not on my radar. 
the love and hip-hop shows. There's like 10 different of them or whatever. I don't watch any of them, so they don't bother me. They're not on my radar. If LeVar Ball bothers you that much, get them off your radar because there's so many options in this day and age. There are a lot of sports sites and television networks that will not talk about LeVar Ball. In fact, they've gone out of their way to tell you that they don't talk about LeVar Ball. And that's cool because you know what? He is getting to be annoying. I don't even know if getting. It's, 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 it's a lot. It's tiresome. Okay? It is. And now he's doing his son, I feel, more harm than good. And that, in my opinion, is where it becomes super problematic. It's been problematic, right, for reasons I discussed earlier. But now that you're affecting your son who is making a living, right, his son is not an amateur anymore. He's a professional. He's making his workplace toxic. That becomes even more of a problem, in my opinion. So, Casey, I hope... That answered your question. I gave you a little bit more. I know that last part you didn't really ask of that, but that was a topic that, you know, I had been thinking about a lot and I didn't want it to make a quarter because of the LeVar fatigue. But I thought it was important that, you know, we got to stop misplacing our anger, you know, and start looking at ourselves um, as a, a, a culture of sports fans, you know, in this instant. And not always blame, you know, ESPN because that becomes kind of, too easy and low-hanging fruit, if you will. All right, guys, that was stoppage time. But now we're going to move on to halftime. And halftime this week is, look, man, I'm super excited about this. Kobe Bryant announced that he's going to have a new NBA television show called Detail, where he breaks down film and talks about, you know, what it takes to be, you know, have the, the, the mamba mentality, if you will. But... I know there are a lot of Kobe stands out there. And my advice to you is chill with listening to Kobe verbatim. Okay. Kobe, he's on another level. He's doing something that none of us can do. Don't listen to Kobe and then try to take it into your everyday life. Take a listen. The Kobe system. Man, this is a huge presentation today. I can't be late, but traffic is a monster. Can't make this left turn. Uh, mm. Well, you know, Kobe did say to get the ultimate rewards, you have to take the ultimate risks. Let's do it. Mama mentality. The Kobe system. Hey, Derek. I wanted to let you know you've been doing some really amazing work this quarter. Your sales and productivity are through the roof. Keep it up. Well, Mr. Johnson, about that. Kobe Bryant told me when you give 110% to expect 110% in return. So with that said, I'm letting you know I'm expecting 110% rate. <laughs> Wait, are you serious, Derek? Well, you can expect an unemployment check because your ass is fired. The Kobe system. Seriously, y'all, we're all going to watch this Kobe show when it comes out at least once, at least one time. Don't let Kobe get you jammed up, right? Like, because we all know Kobe, Kobe lives on a different plane than we do. He does like Kobe's world is different than all of ours. OK, don't listen to Kobe and take what he says literally, because some of y'all bam as well. You know, y'all remember the, uh, the, the Kobe system commercials that came out probably like seven, eight years ago. Them joints were funny, but if you go back and watch them now, they're even more so because 
Kobe has this way with people, man. Like, Bama's a fight on Twitter. Drive to your house to fight over how great Kobe is. It's crazy. Kobe have you thinking the earth is flat. <laughs> Kyrie, you feel me? So, hey, Kobe, enjoy Kobe and enjoy all that comes with it. Because you know it's going to be a lot. But don't have Kobe out here ruining your lives, John. All right, guys, that was halftime. But we're going to keep the show moving with my guest this week, my cousin Sadiq. It's our third quarter this week. Making his very first appearance of the new year. You know, Bill Simmons has his cousin Sal. I got my cousin Deke. Sadiq Abdul, what's going on, Sadiq? Hey, cuz, how you doing, bro? Oh, man, I'm excited to have you on, man. Ready to get this interview started. For those of you who don't know, when Deke is on, uh, throughout the show, I've been giving you my takes, basketball and NFL related. Deke will come on. I'll tell him my opinion on these topics, and then he will then tell me if I'm crazy or if I'm right. Sound good, Deke? Sounds perfect. All right, so we're going to start things off with a football question. The Hall of Fame uh, finalists were announced. I talked about this a little bit last week with B. Mitch, but, you know, we know Randy Moss is the first-time finalist, and many expect him to be a first-ballot Hall of Famer, which he should be. The problem I have is that there's this narrative going around that Randy Moss was, you know, the consensus the best receiver of his generation, meaning he was better than T.O. And I, maybe I'm just a contrarian, but I feel that T.O. was a better wide receiver than Randy Moss. Sadiq, am I right or am I crazy? As an overall football player, I would say T.O. does a lot more. You know, as far as, I mean, you could run a lot more routes with T.O. He left all the passion on the field. I mean, think about it. His playoff game, he actually cried. Uh, he then another time, maybe five, six years later, he cried for his quarterback. I haven't seen Randy ever stick up any uh, teammates of that type of sense. Um, other than just like splash plays and the sexy plays that everybody remembers. And of course, you know, just people coming up with the name like, oh, you got Moss. I mean, Moss also took plays off. And if you're an actual football player and you're sitting there like, you know, who are you going to go to battle with? You're going to go to battle with the guy that played with the fracture fibula in a Super Bowl versus a guy that goes takes money straight cash homie and and take you know takes time off but see moss he's going to be first ballot because he never ruffled any feathers in the sense of other than moon and the green bay fans and stuff like that where t.o people just got tired of him and he was an arrogant jerk and and all that but t.o was a winner like that that wanted to play yeah you know i made the comparison earlier it's it's like shaq and duncan you know shaq obviously was just blessed with more physical talent he was his peak was higher than Tim Duncan's peak. The problem was Shaq would come in out of shape. Shaq would be lackadaisical sometimes, you know, whereas Duncan wasn't this, wasn't nearly the specimen that Shaq was, wasn't nearly athletic or as athletic as Shaq was, but he played at his peak longer, right? Shaq's peak is higher than Duncan's, but Duncan never cheated the game, played his hardest each year, each game, you know what I mean? Whereas, same with T.O. Randy. Randy was just more skilled than T.O., but T.O. never cheated. He was always in peak physical condition. Uh, he would run block. He went over the middle, things that Randy just didn't do. Randy's peak was greater than T.O.'s peak. If they're playing at their best, Randy is better. The problem is Randy never played at or didn't play at his best all the time, whereas T.O. always did. Yeah, I also feel like, See, like Randy, like you said, Randy was God-given ability where he would just walk up out the bed 
you know, came out of his mother's womb and was blessed. Whereas T.O., I mean, he was still blessed, still, you know what I'm saying, freak of nature type of physical, but at the same time, he had to work for everything he got in a sense. Kind of like uh, I, I saw a special and they were talking about the uh, the guy Thielen, the, um, the receiver for Minnesota right now that wasn't drafted and stuff like that, where, you know, he was more of like a lunch pill type of guy. That's who T.O. was. Where, you know, same thing with Duncan. He's not a freak of nature where he's dunking on everybody. I mean, he was dunking on guys because he's 6'11", 7 feet, but he wasn't jumping over people dunking on people. So that's why Duncan had the great shot off the glass and the fundamentals. And that's kind of how T.O. was. He had to be a great route runner because he really wasn't – he didn't really have blazing speed. He, he had more of that wide receiver Jerry Rice type of speed where you catch a slant and you're in trouble because he just didn't want to get caught. But yet he wasn't out – just no, out, flat out outrunning people. So, you know, just – yeah, I, I would actually say really if you really watched the tape and really knew the game and watched what was going on, T.O. actually had the better career. I mean, he made game-winning plays in the playoffs. You know, I mean, they both lost the Super. They only been in both went to Super one time and both lost it. So you know, but regardless of who you think is better, though, and if you disagree with me and Deke, make sure you email the show at quarterlyreport at gmail dot com or tweet the show quarterly show Q U A R T E R L E E show. Let me know. Let Sadiq know if you disagree with us. But regardless of who you think was better. The problem is they both should be Hall of Famers. They both should be first ballot Hall of Famers. Uh, hopefully, Randy gets that uh, honor this year. But T.O., they, how they're doing T.O. is crazy. They both should be Hall of Famers first ballot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree they both should be. But, that, yeah, that's like I said, that's not a slight on Randy at all. But T.O. should not be third ballot. That's just, that's just crazy to me. Once again, guys, I'm joined by my cousin, Sadiq Abdul, promoter, analyst in the dc area but breaks down sports from a national perspective uh all right so that was question number one deep gonna move to basketball for my second topic in the second quarter i decided to give coach eric spolster some love man um i feel what he does or what he did during the big three era in miami gets overlooked i think people just assumed that uh having lebron Dwayne wade and chris bosh automatically guaranteed you championships and looking back on it now we have the perspective of, of seeing Dwayne Wade wasn't the player that he was and we saw his skills erode during those four years LeBron was in Miami and now that you see Miami as the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference I am jumping out there and saying that Eric Spolster is the third best head coach in the National Basketball Association you agree or disagree I definitely agree with you because honestly, Steve Kerr just over there having fun in suits and and because anybody because I mean let's be real he just you know I mean, he has front row seats and gets to wear a suit and have fun because I mean basically his game plan right now is hey come down the court shoot a three one on four you know if you <laughs> Steph shoot a three one on four Clay if you wide open shoot a three it doesn't matter how deep behind it I mean anybody can kind of coach that in a sense. So, you know. Yeah, but, you know, I don't want to take anything from Kerr, though. Yeah, Kerr got him over the top, though, because, you know, I, I have this conversation with a lot of friends all the time about Kerr, Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson did orchestrate it and build the team, but Kerr put the pieces where they was going to be, you know, because Kerr put. You know, Kerr just basically, he maximized the foundation that was already laid forth. But, exactly. you know, people forget, man, Mark Jackson was playing David Lee ahead of Draymond Green. Exactly. And so, oh, not, not only that, he was also starting Iggy over uh, uh, Barnes. You know, Bonds was a young guy, of course, but Iggy was starting over that. He put he had to talk to he had to have a conversation with Iggy to be like, you know, Iggy, I need you to be that six man off the bench. I know you've been the number one option most of your career, but I need you to come off the bench. And boom, you know, so that's great coaching. So he got him over the top. But all right, let's get back on top. But basically, 
I would say yeah, Spo, Spo I would, if he's not three, he's four. He's up there. He's definitely up there because this Miami team right now is a bunch of, I mean, they're, they're professionals. But for the most part, you know, the average fan, I guess, if you walked up to somebody on the street and told them to, to give Miami starting five, you know, or, or even their six man, just not even their starting five, they might they might give you their five. Like, who's your six man for Miami Heat right now? They wouldn't be able to tell you. And that's what I'm saying with Spo. He's actually getting it done with guys that are basically professional 10-day contract guys. I mean, because uh, what's the guy? Is it James? Is it James Johnson, Rodson? He wasn't even in the league for um, maybe like a half a season. He kind of he kind of had that same route that Beasley had, you know, before Beasley just came back into the league where they went overseas or went down to D League or whatever it was. But then he came back and Spoelstra made something out of him, you know. So yeah, I agree. Like, and he's doing it with even Dragas. Like Dragas, we all know Dragas' name, but he's not even really, in my opinion, he's not even really a top twenty point guard. He just somebody gets it done. He'll give you that 17, 18, but sometimes he does some erratic, wild plays, you know. But, yeah, he, I, I would agree. He's top three to four. Once again, everybody, I'm joined with my cousin, Sadiq Abdul. He's a promoter and analyst. And we're going to get to our final topic. Um, I'm going to discuss this a little bit further in the fourth quarter. But we are, you know, at conference championship weekend, essentially. And besides Tom Brady, we've got – Case Keenum, Nick Foles, and Blake Bortles representing three of the four teams of the NFL's Final Four. For a long, for a long time, the consensus was that you need a, a star, a great, an elite quarterback, if you will, to make it and win the Super Bowl. And with the three of the four teams that are playing now, it has, I guess, maybe changed the minds of many uh, fans and quote-unquote experts so i'm gonna ask you if you are building an nfl team do you go the path of trying to find the next time brady or do you try to build a defense and an elite rushing attack defense and running game because until they change the schedule or whatever goes on it's going to always be in, deep into the winter time for football so regardless of how good your quarterback is unless you know tom brady he's He's great in the in, you know playing in the cold, or, or Ben Roethlisberger. Most of the times, quarterbacks aren't sharp week to week in the cold. Like you can see that with Matthew Stafford last week. I mean, not Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, you know, playing for Atlanta. So you know, so I mean, I would actually build my team. Like that's what I've been saying about the whole thing about with Kirk from day one. I don't want to overpay someone where we can't build our team. It it still takes twenty two guys and actually thirty three because special teams can lose you or win you or lose your game also. If you can have more money to maximize all the talent and people that you can get, then do it that way. You know, don't re- totally rely on a quarterback to throw 50 times. I mean, it looks great and all, but it doesn't necessarily win all the time when you get like the max quarterback. So sometimes you have to be sometimes you have to be lucky, even in a Russell Wilson sense. They got lucky with a, a third round pick. They were basically paying him in crackers <laughs> when it comes to money, you know, paying him 300,000 a year or something something crazy. You know, I mean, he, he earned his contract, but that's what sometimes it have to be. Same thing with the Ravens. When they won back, Flacco wasn't making the big money. They had, a built, they had a team with a defense. They were running the ball, and Flacco just had to make a few good third-down throws here and there. And that's all it takes, really. You know, people get, you know, caught up in this quarterback stuff. But, you know, Tom, like we say, Tom Brady is amazing. I agree. But there aren't too many of him just rolling around the corner. So until – no, no, I'm saying until you get one of those when you luck up and get with a Tom Brady – you know, you you still got to build your team. Right. I mean, other than Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, like Drew Brees is really, really good. Like, I think he's a great first ballot Hall of Famer the whole nine. But there is a drop-off after Brady Rodgers, Rodgers, Brady, however you want to rank them. 
there's a drop-off between them and Drew Brees, who is, in my opinion, the third-best quarterback. And, and the crazy thing is, as much as you really want to look at numbers and what's going on, even Aaron Rodgers, as great as he is, he only has one Super Bowl. Because you know why? They still haven't built a team around him completely. Like, think about as, as good as Aaron Rodgers is. If they would have built a team, at least a line, let's say they built a, a, a top-notch offensive line around him. Imagine how great he would be if he didn't have to, like, scramble a little bit or just things of that nature. Like, I mean, that's still who he is, but just imagine if they built a team totally around him even more where they spent money in other places. That, man, that team would be amazing. He's only, he still only has one Super Bowl and only one appearance, if I'm not mistaken. Once again, guys, that's my cousin Sadiq Abdul making his monthly appearance on the show. Promoter, analyst, the whole nine. Deek, as always, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report and I can't wait to have you back on in February. Yeah, thank you for having me as always. Appreciate it. All right, no problem. Thanks again, Sadiq. All right, guys, three quarters down. We got one quarter left, and I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier in the interview. I'm going to discuss how I feel is the best, smartest way to build a team in the NFL. Should you go the route of trying to find the next Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or try to find the next great defense? Neither choice is easy, but I do think one is better. Here's my take for the fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. I owe the NFL a bit of an apology, right? I, I am someone who, when I am wrong, I think it's probably one of the best qualities about myself, if I do say so myself. But when I'm wrong, I don't have a problem admitting it. You know what I mean? Uh, many friends of mine will use that against me by bringing up Bradley Bill ad nauseum but it's all good you know what i'm saying you jump out there you gotta take the consequences and in that then that in that realm i have to apologize to the nfl you know i've been for years now and the show is only almost one year old right probably it's a 40th episode so we're probably like nine months old at the at this time but before i started the show my kind of quest to to denounce this myth of parody as it pertains to the nfl had gone on for some years. And this year we're seeing that the NFL has parody. It has great parody. And in terms of the final four, we will, even though that the Eagles and the Vikings are one and two, um, and, and the Jaguars were a third seed, we saw the Bills in an almost 20-year drought. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars won their first playoff game and what, like 13 years, the Titans won a playoff game for the first time in a while. So we, we're seeing the Rams got back in the playoffs. So I'm not going to be the guy to to wage a war, if you will, on something. And then and then the opposite happens and, and pretend like it didn't exist. Like that didn't happen. I'm not going to do that. So the NFL, at least for one season, has shown that parity does exist. And uh we can question, I guess, I, I think it's exciting. You know what I mean? Like seeing the Vikings, seeing Minnesota fans, I know, I know, you know, two Vikings fans and I know they were excited. Um, but I think it's fun. Would I have rather seen, you know, the Steelers and the Patriots for an AFC championship game? Yeah. But we got that last year. And, you know, you're not going to out quarterback Tom Brady. And that's kind of my point for this final quarter this week. I will wave the white flag in terms of the argument of parity as it pertains to the NFL, at least for this year. 
But I won't come off of this idea that you need a quarterback to succeed in the NFL. I'm not doing that. Because what you are seeing now, and I'll give you examples, that this isn't just a one-year thing, okay? This has been a consistent trend in the NFL. You always hear how the NFL or the NBA, they're copycat leagues. And it is, you know? In the NBA, for instance, um, you know, the we're not that far removed. I talked about Kobe at halftime, right? Uh, remember when the Lakers, they had three seven-footers, and it was Andrew Bynum and Pau Gasol and Lamar Odom. and Everybody wanted to be big. You know, uh, the Thunder ended up trading for Kendrick Perkins so they could be big to compete with the Lakers. Uh, God bless him. Mike Woodson, the Knicks, the one year the Knicks were good <laughs> in like 20 years. We, we had this three-point shooting where we just went small and everybody shot threes on the floor except for Tyson. And then Roy Hibbert has one good game and Mike, Mike Woodson has the infamous quote, the East is big, man. And then he starts Tyson Chandler and Kenyon Martin in the playoff series where we're only down 2-1. He panicked and we lost to the Pacers in our one year of being good. You know what I mean? And it was everybody. There was there was every, The thought was you had to be big to compete in the NBA. In this new age NBA, Dwight Howard, the whole nine. And then LeBron goes to Miami and Spo, again, we talked about him earlier. He goes with this small ball lineup, putting LeBron at the four, Bosch at the five, and it kind of changed everything. And then when Steve Kerr gets with the Warriors, they perfect it. And they are just running Draymond at the five, and everybody on the floor can shoot threes. And now what you're seeing in the NBA is so many teams try to out-warrior the Warriors, right? They try to shoot all these threes and move at this fast pace, but they don't have a Steph Curry. They don't have a Klay Thompson. And then the Warriors added Kevin Durant for good measure, right? So you see you can't beat Golden State trying to play their game. It doesn't. You're not going to do it. And in football, there was a run, like a three-year run where you know, Brady went to the Super Bowl and won, and then it was Peyton, and then it was Drew Brees. So maybe like five-year run or something like that. And everybody came up with this idea that, hey, we need a quarterback. We need not just any quarterback. We need a great quarterback to win in the Super Bowl. And that became like the prevailing theme when it came to the NFL. Just out of the blue, right? We need a great quarterback to win. I mean, Aaron Rodgers did it. Drew Brees did it. Uh, like I said, Brady did it and Peyton did it, even though in Peyton's first Super Bowl, you could argue that he got outplayed by Rex Grossman. All right. Just remember that. OK, we'll get back to that in a second. But you can't dispute uh, Brady, Breeze, Peyton, Aaron Rodgers winning and Ben winning Super Bowls in like a six, seven year span. So then everybody was like, oh, we need quarterbacks. We need quarterbacks. And yes, if you have an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, right? Drew Brees, even though it's people conveniently forgot, Drew Brees had been putting up great seasons for the, like the last five years, and he's been stuck in seven and nine and six and ten the whole time, eight and eight, until New Orleans got a really good defense this year. But I digress. If you have one of those guys, yes, it is easier to win when the most important position is played on your team by an all-time great first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes, it is easier. However, how easy is it to get 
and Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady may be the great, he is the greatest quarterback of all time. He may be the greatest football player of all time. So if you are banking on getting the next Tom Brady, trading multiple picks to move up to get a guy because you think he could be, that doesn't seem like solid logic, okay? Especially when you take this into consideration. Other than Tom Brady, look at the quarterbacks. Again, I'm not trying to excuse him, but I just mentioned he's the he may be the greatest football player of all time. To think that you're just going to get him, I think it's a bit absurd, right? So excluding Brady, look at the recent quarterbacks who have gone to the NFL. Last year, Matt Ryan lost to Tom Brady. Matt Ryan was the MVP last season. And I'm going to ask you this question. How good is Matt Ryan? He won the MVP last year. This year, he won. He what? He threw like 20, 20 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. He's got Julio Jones and Sanu and the, the running game and a good defense. And he threw 20 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. How good is Matt Ryan? Because he went to the Super Bowl last year. The year before that, Cam Newton went to the Super Bowl and he was the MVP. And we all know the, 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 the varying degrees of where people fall on Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton is a good player. I don't think he's a great quarterback. And this is also how we view things, right? Because how good or great a quarterback is, is relative. So somebody could be a top 10 quarterback. I think Cam is a top 10 quarterback. But once you get past the top two, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, however you want to rank them, there is a pretty sizable drop-off. And then it's Drew Brees, right? And Brees, he's really good, but he's not, in my opinion, on those two guys' level. But after Brees, there's another probably even larger drop-off between Breeze and Ben Roethlisberger. And, yeah, Ben puts up really good numbers, but when you have the best wide receiver, in my opinion, and the best running back, who also is probably a top-10 wide receiver as well, you know, it, it's easier. It's easier and a very good offensive line. Tom Brady doesn't have a Le'Veon Bell and a Antonio Brown. We got God knows Aaron Rodgers doesn't have it. And not in Drew Brees, he, he's got good a good running game, but he doesn't have a Le'Veon Bell, and he definitely doesn't have an Antonio. So there's a drop-off, in my opinion, between three and four. And then once you get to five, I think Russell Wilson is there, but you could argue that there's another drop-off after four. So, yeah, Matt Ryan may be a top-ten quarterback. Cam Newton may be a top-ten quarterback, but that doesn't mean anything. That's like saying, you know, Trevor Booker is a top-ten shooting guard in the NBA. Yeah, he's good, but once you get past, you know, Harden, Jimmy Butler, and Klay Thompson, to be a top 10 shooting guard doesn't mean anything because it's relative to the depth of that position. The quarterback position isn't deep, so don't tell me you got a top 10 quarterback bragging about it. Okay, that doesn't mean anything. But back to my point, Cam went to the Super Bowl. He was an MVP, but how good is Cam? Honestly, not relative to how good he is to quarterbacks. But just do you think Cam Newton is a great quarterback? Because I don't know. And he lost to Peyton Manning, and we talked about this earlier. Peyton is a all-time great, but that year he was one of the worst starting quarterbacks to play in the Super Bowl ever, ever. He was one of the worst quarterbacks of that season. But the Broncos had a great defense. The Panthers had a great defense. 
Atlanta's defense is very good. And get this, before Cam, Russell Wilson went to two straight Super Bowls. Two. I love Russ. I don't know how great he is either. I know that Seahawks defense was great. You get what I'm saying? Besides Russ, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl where he played against Colin Kaepernick. Joe Flacco may be the worst quarterback, starting quarterback in the NFL. Definitely one of the worst five or six. Colin Kaepernick's not even in the league. And that was your Super Bowl matchup not too long ago. But you had two good defenses. Then you had Eli winning with obviously great defenses. And I talked to you about Peyton. Peyton's first Super Bowl, he played against Rex Grossman. And Rex Grossman outplayed him. You are seeing a trend. You don't need, like, yeah, I would love to have Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady as my quarterback. Of course, but those guys don't come around very often, if ever. You're talking about two of the greatest quarterbacks ever. But you know what you can do? You can build a defense. You can get a, you can get a nice running back, man. And that's what you're seeing now. Look, I'm not telling you that building an, a defense like the Vikings or the Jaguars or the Eagles that it's easy. But what I am saying is his, history has shown it's easier to do that than the hope Matthew Stafford turns into, you know, Tom Brady. Ask yourself this question. Would you rather be the Raiders or would you rather be the Texans? Would you, Derek Carr, everybody, everybody was so quick to anoint him, right? And they spent big money on him. Their defense still is bad. Omari Cooper is a very good wideout, but we don't know what's up with him in terms of catching. And, you know, they're not a bad team, but do you do you see them making a run? Because they can't stop anybody. Whereas in Houston, you already have a good defense. You got a great receiver. You got a nice running game, and you have a quarterback who's not getting paid a lot of money, and he's coming off of injury. But Houston was in the divisional round of the playoffs last year, so if you're going to use you know Watson's injury as a mark against them, remember Carr got injured two years ago. Who would you rather be? Because I'd rather be Houston. Their path, they have a, a wider, uh, a, a larger variety of a way to get to the ultimate goal. Whereas, you know, Oakland, they've devoted so much of their money in the car. So if car doesn't play well, I don't know how they get there. Who would you rather be, Minnesota or Detroit? And yeah, that's unfair. Minnesota's playing this weekend in the conference championship game. However... They didn't spend, they spent a lot of money on three different quarterbacks. They've got options, but their defense is amazing. And Cook didn't even play for real this year. So they got one of the top rookies coming back next year. The Lions don't have that because they gave Matthew Stafford a crazy amount of money because he's a top 10 quarterback. What else are you going to do? That idea of what else are you going to do? Really? Look at the Jaguars. You know what the Jaguars did? They drafted. They drafted a great defense. They drafted one of the best running backs in the draft last year. And with the money that they get, they had left over, they signed Calais Campbell. You understand? There's more than one ways to skin the cat. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's easy to build a defense like the Broncos had with Von Miller a few years ago. Or it's easy to do what Seattle did. I am saying it's easier to do that than to hope you got the next Aaron Rodgers. 
or the, to hope you get the next Tom Brady? Because that's what everybody else has been doing. How many times do, t- do teams trade up, trade picks to get a quarterback? A quarterback that you have no idea if they're good. Mitchell Trubisky. The boy from Kansas City. Mahomes. I have no idea. He, The Chiefs moved up to get him. You understand what I'm saying? Like, everybody gets pigeonholed. Everybody feels they, they, they got to do it this one way. When year after year, time after time, you see there's more than one way to skin the cat. It's like playing blackjack. Sure, you hope you get 21 or blackjack, but you got to play the odds. And odds are telling you the best way, the, e- the, the easiest way to do it is to build a good defense. And it, no, it's not going to be easy. But Jacksonville was, Tom Coughlin was in New York, like what, two, three years ago? He comes down to Jacksonville two years ago, and now look at them. Who's their stud wide receiver? They've got good, they've got good receivers, don't get me wrong. They don't have a a Odell. They don't have a Julio. They don't got an AB. Blake Bortles played well against Pittsburgh, but he's not, he's getting $19 million. You got teams... Kirk Cousins may get $29 million, $30 million in the offseason this year. And that's the point. Like, And I'm not picking on Kirk because, again, Kirk proved me wrong. I did not think he was going to end up being this good. And I think he's a top-ten quarterback, too. But, again, we talked about it. Just because you're a top-ten quarterback, that doesn't mean that you're, wait, that, that, that you're a top-tier player, right? Because each week I've been told, listening to sports radio in D.C. That Kirk didn't, you can't blame Kirk for a loss because his defense isn't very good and he doesn't have great receivers and he doesn't have a great running game. Well, if you have a quarterback who needs to have a great defense to win and he needs to have great receivers receivers to win and he needs to have a great running game, then that guy doesn't need to be paid more than 22 to $24 million. Aaron, when was the last time Aaron Rodgers had a great running game and a great defense? You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't happen. It does not happen unless you have a draft like the Saints just had, where you literally hit a home run on every single pick. It doesn't happen. So why spend a significant chunk on your cap on a player who needs so much to be right? Matthew Stafford needs so much to be right. Okay, well, then guess what? He's not worth that money. Derek Carr needs so much to be right. Aaron Rodgers was in the NFC Championship game last year. The only difference between the Packers last year and this year is Aaron Rodgers, and they can't make the playoffs this year. That's a guy who deserves a lot of money because he himself, he's like LeBron in the NBA. If you just got Aaron Rodgers, you'll be okay. If Aaron Rodgers is on your team, he'll clear up so much because he's so great. But there aren't many Aaron Rodgers. In fact, there's only Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Those are the two. That's it. So don't talk to me about giving Matthew Stafford this much money. Don't talk to me about giving Carr the richest contract of all time. You see, you saw with Flacco. You saw with Wilson. Like, you could be good. But... If you're not on that level where you make all the players around you better, you're not worth that much of the cap because you need so much to be right. And that's fine. But if you're going to pay Kirk Cousins $30 million 
$29 million. And Alex Smith is going to cost you 19 There's what? 10 to $11 million difference of which you can actually build a core. If you're going to spend drafts to move up to trade for a Rosen, right? Or whatever, one of these guys, when a talented player can just fall to you and then you get them on the low, you pay, you're paying them cheap. Like Seattle did with Russell Wilson. And then you can build an elite defense on all three levels. And you can have a very good offensive line to protect them. Well, yeah, do it that way. Because that's the way that has shown you time and time again. That way is the clearest path to get yourself into a Super Bowl. And unless you got Tom Brady, unless you're waiting on that one shooting star, you're going to be waiting a long time. Luckily for you guys, you won't have to wait that much long for another episode of the Quarterly Report. We come out each and every Thursday. Thank you guys so much for rocking with me this week. I know it went long, but man, it was so many fun and exciting topics, man. I had so much fun doing this show. I hope you guys had as fun listening. Um, remember, get in touch with the show. You can email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. Tweet at me. We're at Quarterly Show. Again, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. That's on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. If you want to hear me talk about something that I missed. Uh, and also on that Twitter handle, again, Quarterly Show this weekend. Big fight between Errol Spence and Lamont um, Peterson. is going to be really fun. I like both these fighters. Lamont is a DC boy. Errol's one of my favorite fighters. So uh, I'll live tweet the fight this weekend. Saturday, make sure you follow me on Twitter, Quarterly Show, uh, to see my thoughts on the fight. And remember, subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. All you got to go, all you got to do, excuse me, is go to iTunes, search Quarterly Report. You'll see the icon with my face on the coin. Click on that, subscribe, and leave me a review. Leave me a five-star review if you like, but if you want to leave on any other review, do that as well. And let me know what you think. Uh, write a little something. Let me know what you think. Let the world know what you think of the show. All right, guys. Thank you so very much for listening to this episode, the 40th episode of the Quarterly Report. We'll see you back here next week. Have a good week.